broadcast of tapping to the truth hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats of course with you as always i am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host tim tap coming to you from historic rome county tennessee and we are indeed live tonight broadcasting over w w t e t radio columbia south carolina the last frequency on the internet, lastfrequency.com, and the Vera Network over at Tuned In. So if you're listening in any one of those awesome locations, welcome aboard for the live broadcast. It is indeed the first broadcast of Tapping to the Truth for 2023. Took a bit of an extended holiday break, uh, not necessarily planning on it being as long as it had been uh, you know stuff happens but here we are we're back and we are kicking it off with a live show so what the heck why not i mean we got uh, doug in the control room we've got uh, crazy cajun cat uh, hanging out with him as well and we are doing uh, business as usual and so is the government <laughs> oh man i gotta tell you uh Something to look forward in hour number two. We're going to be joined by Ken Crow, and we'll be talking about the ongoing saga for Speaker of the House and his take on that issue. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about Biden's feckless and very inconsistent border policy. 
I don't think Ken knows that's one of the topics, but uh, you know, we'll we'll hang on to him for the hour. We'll have plenty of time to talk about it. And Ken is almost never at a shortage of things to say, even if he's not totally prepared. <laughs> uh, before we do that, let's uh, get this first hour underway, shall we? Uh, it happens to be, for the benefit of those of you that will be listening after the fact on podcasts, Time of the Live broadcast happens to be on January 6th, 2023. That means, boys and girls, it's the anniversary of the insurrection. And I got two stories right off the top <laughs> involving January 6th storylines. First and foremost, let's start with the one that I think, once again, shows the hypocrisy of the folks on the left. Not that you have to dig too hard to find that. The mother of a certain Air Force veteran, a certain Air Force veteran who was the only person killed as a result of the riots on January 6th, the mother of Ashley Babbitt. She was uh, arrested by the Capitol Police. She was arrested because she was demonstrating near the Capitol uh, today, Friday, January 6th. There's video footage available out there. Uh, some of it posted to Twitter, which is where I saw it, but uh, you can probably find it in multiple places. Ashley Babbitt's mother was being escorted by officials and officers to a Capitol Police vehicle. Now, the Capitol Police, of course, they released a statement almost immediately that said that Ashley's mom, who is a very young 58, by the way, was arrested on a charge of black... Of blocking and obstructing roadways, as well as for allegedly violating a regulation to obey an order. You know, you're supposed to listen when the police tell you something. You didn't obey the order, so that's now officially a charge, too. Now, the Capitol Police said that there was a group of demonstrators that were illegally blocking traffic on Independence Avenue. The statement also said that this group did not have a permit to demonstrate on Capitol grounds. Officers established a clear police line to prevent the group from moving further west on Independence Avenue. The officers and officials told the group to get out of the road or the group would be arrested. The sidewalk was open, of course, so they could have moved there, but... There was one particular woman in the group who was given multiple warnings to get out of the road, but instead of getting out of that road, this particular woman refused to leave, turning around with her hands behind her back and asked to be arrested. The statement from the Capitol Police concludes by saying, as is typical for this charge, the individual was processed and then released this afternoon after being given a citation to appear in court at a later date. This demonstration near the Capitol took place on the two-year anniversary of the Capitol riot, or as the left and most of the mainstream legacy media continues to call it, the insurrection! Oh, scary, scary, hiss, hiss, orange man still bad. For those of you that don't remember Ashley Babbitt, Air Force veteran, she was only in her mid-30s. She did enter into the U.S. Capitol, part of a larger group. All this transpired on January 6th. 
They were disrupting lawmakers that were there to certify the presidential election that uh, the media still insists on saying Joe Biden won. A Capitol Police officer shot and killed Babbitt as she was trying to make her way through a broken window, or at least that's the story we continue to be told. I no longer take that at face value. I don't say that you should either, but I, I don't dispute it. I'll let you decide. Here's the thing that aggravates me more than anything, though, the, the part that shows the hypocrisy. And that is, we had an entire summer of love, right guys? An entire summer after St. George of Floyd was viciously and horrifically murdered by the extremely racist police that are always hunting down black people all across the country to the point that they've become nearly extinct. In this, at least that's what you would think if you believe the left. We had an entire summer of people blocking the roadways, and we were told we should be okay with that. We were told that this was just angry people expressing themselves, engaging in legitimate protest. So what's the diff? Well, the difference, of course, is this aren't people out there helping to push a leftist agenda. These aren't people out there trying to push an agenda that says... Do what the government says because the government is bad, which, again, nobody's accused the left of making a whole lot of sense. I just find it very, very disappointing, we'll say, that Ashley Babbitt's mom is arrested for the horrific, terrible, no good, very, very bad crime of blocking traffic when the vice president, current literally helped raise money to bail out people that committed far worse crimes during protest, you know, mostly peaceful protest, fiery, but mostly peaceful protest, helped to raise money to help get people out of jail who then immediately went out and committed other crimes. In fact, there is at least a solid 37 people, 37 Americans, who lost their lives as a result of crimes committed by people who were bailed out by these funds after they were bailed out. They didn't check who these criminals were. And in this case, you have the mother of the one single person who died as a direct result of the insurrection. Despite the fact that uh, the left wants you to think that, oh, well, you know, there were a dozen police officers murdered by Trump supporters that day. These domestic terrorists. Just uh, another good example of why you should never, never trust the media. Nor should you trust anybody with a D attached to their name. And uh, I, I promised you a second story uh, surrounding January 6th. Well, how about this? By now, I'm sure you realize that the January 6th committee, uh, the House committee, they've disbanded. They're done. They made the recommendation. Please, please, Mayor Garland, go charge Donald Trump as a terrorist. It's all his fault. That part you knew. 
But did you also know that one of the final acts that they did was to release a whole bunch of documents? Among them, a list of social security numbers? Social security numbers belonging to hundreds of Americans, including former Trump staffers and other top Republican officials, because the criteria was you happen to be visiting the White House during the month of December of 2020. After the committee's last public meeting that happened last month, back in December of last year, it released a trove of official records, testimonies, transcripts, other information that it had collected as part of its 18-month investigation into the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. One of those documents was, in fact, a spreadsheet that contained nearly 2,000 Social Security numbers of people who visited the White House during that month of December. Among the Social Security numbers on the list, since removed from the January 6th files, but already having been released, already out there, it is in the wild now. People have access. Criminals will be stealing identities left and right. Among them, information associated with at least three former Trump cabinet members, as well as some of the Republican governors and numerous officials and allies of the Trump administration, this according to the Washington Post. Those people whose information was on the spreadsheet are now at an elevated risk. That's in quotation marks. Air quotes work really well on the radio, by the way. As they're at an elevated risk to be victims of identity theft-related uh, identity-type crimes. This according to the Theft Resource Center COO, James Lee. He works in the field. I would guess he would know it, but... I would also say that there's a really good chance you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that if your social security number is freely available for people to just get it, you can be a victim. Now, the committee appears, by the way, to not even have notified officials of the leak. Once they realized that it happened, uh, if you believe this wasn't intentional, that is. Once they realized it's happened, uh, they redacted it from the files that are publicly available, but they didn't notify anybody. Uh, Ian Fury? 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 Ian Fury! He's very furious, you know. Happens to be a spokesperson for Christy Nome, uh, you know, the Republican governor of the great state of South Dakota. Uh, according to Ian... The information that was removed, to the best of his knowledge, they were never notified. The governor of South Dakota's social security number out there, not notified. Oh, that's not a big enough name for you? How about the former Housing and Urban Development Secretary, Dr. Ben Carson? You know, his information was also on the sheet. What did he have to say when he was asked by the Washington Post? Well, he's quoted as saying, <clears throat> and now I am quoting, whether it was a careless, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, whether it was a careless and sloppy handling of records or a deliberate 
disregard of decorum. Either scenario is a perfunctory and callous display of government and a frightening reminder of the current state in Washington. President Reagan was a savant indeed. The nine most frightening words to hear are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Now, the committee said that all the information released to the public was first reviewed for sensitive personal information and that any release of sensitive information, you know, like, I don't know, let's say social security numbers, well, that was clearly just a mistake. So I'm left asking the very important and very valuable question. Was it a mistake? I mean, if you actually did review the information, if you reviewed the documents, is it possible as completely and totally inept as the people that work for these people, in fact, these people themselves, as horrifically bad at everything they do, they seem to be, is it entirely possible that they could have just overlooked one spreadsheet? Ah, well, we meant to take that out, but, you know, we forgot. Or, oh, we just missed that one. Is that possible? I wish I could just put on my tinfoil hat and say, no way, this is absolutely on purpose. But the truth is, these guys are just that bad at everything they do. It is entirely possible. I would actually prefer to tell you that that's really what happened. It's like, come on, guys, uh, to make mistakes. It's a human thing. They made a human error. It's it's a terrible mistake. And it really is. Because trust me, you do not want your social security numbers out there. It's a horrible, horrible mistake. But see, the sad part is it is just as likely, it is maybe even more likely that this was on purpose. That was very selective about what she was was involved here. I mean, what other database are you going to be able to collect social security numbers for the likes of Christy Nome and Dr. Ben Carson, uh, along with nearly 2,000 more people, all of which were associated with visits to the White House just before this was slated to go down? I mean, it's it's a pretty wild one. I mean, don't forget, okay, the January 6th House Select Committee, it was absolutely stacked with very biased Democrats. Uh, and, of course, two former, emphasis on former GOP lawmakers, uh, Liz Cheney, a.k.a. Lizard Cheney, as our good friend Ron Edwards likes to say, and the newest personality, political consultant for CNN, Adam Kinzinger. Their little investigation obviously was not very much of an investigation. They had the conclusion before they even began. They voted to recommend Trump be charged with obstructing an official proceeding, conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to make false statements to the federal government, and an incitement of an insurrection, they demanded Attorney General Merrick Garland do something. And, of course, Merrick Garland tapped former war crimes prosecutor Jack Smith 
who previously worked at the International Crimes Court at The Hague, uh, tapped him to be special counsel to take over two different Department of Justice probes into Donald Trump because, as we know, the climate arsonist, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the orange man who's bad, that guy, he's, he's still bad. Two separate probes into Donald John Trump over January 6th. One involving that, and the other, of course, on that cache of so-called classified documents that uh, the Donald allegedly improperly stored at Mar-a-Lago. The thing here is they had the crime before they had a criminal. They investigated until they found something. But in truth, they still have nothing. If Merrick Garland had anything, he would have moved much sooner, and he would not have assigned a special counsel. But uh, what what can you say? These people, they they play their games. They play their political little, we're afraid of this guy, so we want to try and take him out of the election cycle, which in truth is probably a good politics for them, but what concerns me is all these people that are going to buy into it. All these people that still think CNN provides news, and despite CNN's current best efforts to reevaluate and reassess and reestablish themselves as what they always imagined they were, the most trusted name in network news, it still comes down to the fact that nobody's going to believe them, especially if you keep hiring somebody like Adam Kinzinger. This guy was a never-Trumper from the beginning. Liz Cheney was a never-Trumper from the beginning. She threw away her political career. He knew what he was doing. And so they tried to give some level of legitimacy to this kangaroo court-style committee. Come on, guys. Here we are on the anniversary. And the best they can muster is to leak people's social security number. I don't know what else to tell you. Except, uh, let me throw a curveball at Doug's direction. We'll go ahead and take the mid-hour break just a smidge early. I'm normally running late, but I've got two more stories I want to try to get to in the first hour, so I'm going a little faster than normal. Uh, hey, Doug, whenever you're ready, let's slide into that mid-hour break. But I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. <laughs> we'll be right back, guys. My name's Joe Biden. I keep forgetting I'm president. I keep forgetting I'm president. Recently, another American female expert on what real men are shared her observations. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Ms. Sandy LaCroix stated to all the real men out there, boys play house, men build homes, boys shack up, men get married, boys make babies, men raise children. A boy won't raise his own children. A man will raise his and someone else's. Boys invent excuses for failure. Men produce strategies for success. 
Boys look for someone to take care of them. Men look for someone else to take care of. Boys seek popularity. Men earn respect by knowing how to give it. Boys quit and walk away when things get hard. Men will promise to love you through it all. The one problem I have is in America today, most females prefer either the pookies and ray rays or clamber. But the top 5% of all men who are wealthy meet their height standard of at least six feet and have looks equivalent to a young Elvis or a young Denzel Washington and overlook the many good, solid, decent American men now forced to leave the U.S. to find someone who appreciates them. Hmm. I'm Ron Edwards. Don't miss the Ron Edwards American Experience Talk Show, 3 p.m. Eastern weekdays via theronedwards.com. Second goal is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. These products are patented and proven. Second Skull is a protective headgear company. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. These stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100 and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key, the idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly. But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. author and speaker and media commentator and you're listening to Tim Tap on Tapping the Truth.
Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, gotta gotta say I'm digging that a, a little bit of that western going on, and I can't think of anybody better than Richard Battle for that western side of things. All right, and gotta chuckle. I I have not kept up with the most recent Edward Notebook. And so when I hear Ron talk about how women prefer pookies, I can't help but chuckle. I, I got to tell you, that's a good one. Um, I'll definitely have to uh, send personal kudos to Ron on that one. Uh, and actually, I need to get Ron scheduled again. We got to get back together. It's been way too long since we've talked uh, directly. He's a busy guy. I'm a busy guy. And things get crazy. But uh, we got to make some time. He takes his wife out on Friday night, joins the crowd. Yeah, well, you know, I I can't blame him for that. A man's got to have family time, otherwise, what's all it for? We're fighting to save the republic, but it's so that we can enjoy our family times. And so, I mean, I I don't begrudge him at all. We've just got to work something out, man. I, I miss talking to him as much as anything. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is January sixth of twenty twenty three. We are living through the worst presidency in American history. And that's not an exaggeration. The sad part is it's constantly being downplayed by the mainstream legacy media and, of course, by everybody with the D attached to their last name because they don't want to admit it. Uh, something that should be telling you they're not going to be able to deny it for much longer, however, is the fact that our economy is still really, really struggling. And we've managed, thanks to artificial means, to avoid the worst aspects of that struggle. But it's not going to be too much longer before we're going to just run headlong right into the wall that is the failed Biden economic policies. Whether you're talking about international policies, whether you're talking about uh, our uh, energy policies, whether you're talking about the constant effort at omnibus packages where they're just, oh, well, we've got to fund the government, and while we're at it, we've got to throw a whole bunch of money to uh, public libraries. They're going to put on drag queen story hours and uh, all types of ridiculous stuff that we shouldn't be wasting taxpayer dollars on. I don't care how you feel about drag queen story hour. If If you like it, great. Go to your public library. Support it. You can ship in your own money. Stop demanding mine because I don't support it. It's not a good thing. Drag queens, stop reading to small children. They're confused enough already. Anyway, a big chunk of uh, our regulatory uh, issues are becoming clear. And so when I came across this story, I said to myself, this is one we've got to talk about. You see, regulators are now advising banks and other financial institutions to avoid cryptocurrencies. Uh, A warning that comes after the implosion of the digital asset company, FTX, and the deliberations over a possible central bank digital currency in the United States. Uh, The Federal Reserve actually did introduce, on a trial basis, a Fed dollar. It's a cryptocurrency, and again, we've talked about this coming for a long time. We've discussed it on the show, and we've talked about all the cons that come from it. It is not a standard crypto, and it has none of the things that makes actual cryptocurrencies uh, appealing to non-decentralized investors. 
because it is a centralized currency, and worse than that, it is a programmable one. And by programmable, what that means, for those of you that still are confused about the jargon, it means they can decide how you're allowed to use it. You want to make a purchase of that brand new uh, handgun? Well, nope, sorry. You're not allowed. We don't like guns here at the Fed, so uh, click. Sorry, that's not available. Oh, you want to invest some of your hard-earned money in ExxonMobil? Oh, well, you know, their their, uh, score there, that... uh, that's cool. We we don't think fossil fuels is a good place to invest, so sorry, no. Uh, you want to go out on Friday night with your wife like Ron's doing. Uh, sorry, Ron, uh, you and your wife are both over your fast food uh, caloric intake for this week, so going out to that nice restaurant on Friday... That's just not a thing we're going to be able to allow. You've already you you need to go back to the grocery store and buy yourself a salad. You may have two kinds of lettuce, uh, one uh, small tomato, uh, a little shred of carrot, and no, you're not allowed to have any any dressing at all. No, no, no. Oh, so you know, this programmable thing, you think I'm kidding. They can even, the worst of all, say that, you know, you guys aren't spending enough to stimulate the economy. So we're going to assign to you in your bank account negative interest, which means the longer it sets there, the less you actually have. It just starts disappearing for no apparent reason. These are all negatives involved with what the Federal Reserve is going to do. So the Federal Reserve is telling these banks and other financial institutions to stay away from cryptos as a investment, which is a place where a lot of the bigger banks had been going to. So anyway, in this joint statement from the Federal Reserve and the Federal Deposit Insurance Company, the FDIC, and the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, they all said that uh, when it comes to the sector of cryptocurrency that is categorized by, as they say, significant volatility and possible fraud, warning executives of scams and legal uncertainties and, you know, all this contagion between firms rocked by recent turmoil in the cryptocurrency market. Now, they're talking about FTX there and, of course, this other uh, company, an investment company that was being run by the same folks. Uh, In this statement, they said, quote, Given the significant risk highlighted by recent failures of several large crypto asset companies, the agencies continue to take a careful and cautious approach related to current or proposed crypto asset related activities and exposures at each banking organization. The agencies have significant safety and soundness concerns and business models that are concentrated in crypto asset related activities, well, they could be hazardous. Just avoid the sector altogether. Now, I find that 
interesting. I will use that word because we're talking about the Federal Reserve. We're talking about, despite the name, an organization that simply is a group of about six of the biggest banks in the world, and they get to decide monetary policy because, you know, our Congress decided a long time ago they didn't want to be bothered by it. Personally, I think it's because even when they made the decision, most of them simply didn't understand banking well enough to get into the weeds with it. And hey, let's face facts. There's a good number of American citizens that aren't capable of balancing the checkbook these days. So, yeah, uh, it's scary. Let's, let's let these people decide. They themselves are now in defiance of the current administration because the current administration doesn't want them raising interest rates. You're, you're making people realize that our policies, well, they're not good. You even have Cardi B. Cardi B, you know, the great and awesome uh, freaking Mozart of our time. Cardi B with her WAP. <laughs> and if you don't know what that stands for, go look it up because I ain't going to tell you. I can't. We're live on air. <laughs> Do not want to get the Vera Network in any type of trouble with the FCC. Um, even she's come to realize that this is ridiculous. She's noticed grocery prices out of control. Now, what I wish we could do is get the occasionally cogent Cardi B to understand that this is a direct result of the leftist Democrat policies. This is what happens when you pursue modern monetary theory, which, of course, is not a true monetary theory at all. It's just a way to drive the country into the ditch and make us look a lot like Venezuela. After all, if everything costs a million bucks because your money is worth less than monopoly money, then everybody's poor then, right? Then only they are rich because they get to digitally program their digital dollars and everything's great for them. It is a plan. Okay, there's no doubt. Tinfoil hat aside, there is a group of people that want to collapse the U.S. economy because they know that's the only way to collapse the republic. And they're full speed ahead. I just find it interesting that we have the Federal Reserve now saying stay away from crypto, even though we're trying to make our own digital currency. We want to centralize it. We're going to hold up FTX as the reason why you should stay away, even though – FTX actually demonstrated why you shouldn't want a central bank controlling your money. If, if what was going on in FTX was operated like a standard crypto was supposed to, you know, completely decentralized, you're not just sitting there on the exchange, then it wouldn't have been possible for this guy to have taken all that money and, you know, spent it to do whatever he wanted. Here, let's uh. Let's make some contributions to a bunch of Democrats who still are denying they received the money or at the very least are saying, well, yeah, we'll try to return it, but we're, we've got to make sure we find out exactly how much came from them. Don't let them fool you, folks. <laughs> there are very good records about what those contributions were. So 
again, just just look up. This is the Federal Reserve trying to scare everybody else in the financial world away from crypto because they can't control it. That's all that is. Don't let them fool you. Don't let them scare you. Don't let them run you away. All right, so there's this other story. We've been following this one for a long time. <coughs> Excuse me. We've been following this one for a long time because this is literally a heartbreaking story. And every time you think this guy's going to start winning, something else happens. And in this case, the great state of California happened. We're, of course, talking about a Texas man, father of a now nine-year-old boy, whose pediatrician mother is absolutely, positively intent on transitioning that little boy into a girl and now has moved to California only days before this stupid sanctuary law went into effect. Uh, it's insane. Now, of course, we're talking about the story of Jeff Younger. He's been fighting the efforts of his ex-wife to transition their son James for years. We've been talking about this since the boy was three. We're talking about as far back as 2019, he released a video showing himself talking to his son. It was literally his first iPhone video, according to Younger, and he was saying this now, most recently making an appearance on Tucker Carlson's show over on Fox, said that his blood ran cold when he realized what his ex-wife had planned for that little boy. It escalated to where she eventually registered him in school as a girl under the name Luna. I'm sure you guys should remember this story. We talked about Luna a lot. Anyway, it got to this point that the father had to step up and shut it down. So then the school district that the, the child was attending tried to secretly transition the boy. We're talking about a case where he, the father in this case, would bring the son to school in boys' clothes and that they would give him a dress and make him use the girls' bathroom when they were there. And it even escalated further when the ex-wife began to present the boy to the world as a girl, dressing him up that way all the time, not just in school. So in October of 2021, a court order to which both parents agreed stated that neither parent could treat the child with hormonal suppression therapy, puberty blockers, and or any level of transgender reassignment surgeries without the consent of the other parent or a court order. Earlier this week, guys, this week, the Texas Supreme Court dismissed Younger's petition to prohibit his ex-wife from moving to California with the two boys. Last Sunday, a California law went into effect that states that it prohibits the enforcement of an order based on another state's law authorizing a child to be removed from their parent or guardian based on that parent or guardian allowing their child to receive 
<clears throat> gender affirming health care or gender affirming mental health care. Basically, the California law says bring your children that you're trying to abuse to us. We'll let you, and we won't let any other state get in the way. California State Representative Scott Weiner, who actually authored the bill, asserted that it will, you know, it'll protect trans kids and their families if they flee to California from, you know, those horrible, terrible, no good, most horrific of places like Alabama and Texas and Idaho and, of course, any other state criminalizing the parents of trans kids for allowing those trans kids to receive the, the life-saving, gender-affirming care they so desperately need. How dare those horrible people in these other places not realize that? We're trying to save lives of children here. The pediatrician records that Mr. Younger was able to acquire, they showed that his ex-wife had been fully intended on chemically castrating their son in the age group somewhere between eight and nine, which, you know, he's currently nine years old now. So he's managed to hold him off a little bit longer than she had planned. And now... Here they are when the Texas state courts would not put a stop to this. They moved to California where now they have this sanctuary status. There will come a point. There will come a time when someone is going to look us straight dead in the eye and ask us why we didn't do more to stop this insanity why didn't we do more to protect these children this man's been in the fight to try and save his child and in an, the same effort has tried to, to pursue the state of Texas to, to stiffen their laws try to get them to protect each other. The state of Texas has failed to move laws forward to better protect children. The state of Texas, Texas, guys. I mean, we're not talking about a purple state. We're not talking about a, yeah, you're a red state, but you're kind of more of an establishment. No, we're talking about Texas. They've got a few purple cities. They have one or two blue cities, but the rest of the state is about as red as it gets. I mean, right now, Florida might be looking a little bit redder, but that's a relatively new development. I don't understand. I mean, I know what's happening. I can tell you exactly what's transpired. This woman who actually treated trans children in her practice, who enjoyed doing it, had decided that she had seen enough other parents with other children she wanted one of her boys to transition to. She 
needed that to validate what she did. And it still comes down to the same thing. When it comes to transing the kids, when it comes to uh, freaking drag queen story hour, all of this is about using children to validate themselves. This is part of where the left's lunacy has taken them. They need it. We have to stand up. We have to do better. We're literally talking about a man who went to court back in 2019, went to a trial where the courts gave this father 50-50 custody and joint conservative rights in an effort to stop the ex-wife's ability to transition the son. And then the corrupt Democrat establishment that existed in Dallas County, they transferred their case out of the court that sided with the father into a district court with Judge Mary Brown. And we talked about her a long time when this first happened, too. And Judge Mary Brown in the Dallas County District, she never implemented the first ruling that came from the previous trial. Never implemented the first thing that came from a jury verdict and through temporary orders continued to strip away and strip away the parental rights of the father until the point that the father was told to go on radio silence. He wasn't allowed to, to tell anybody what was actually happening. And they eventually allowed this man's ex-wife to move to California right before, just days before the sanctuary law went into effect. And Mr. Younger now is still fighting with everything he has, but there's no way he can win in California. There's no way Jeff Younger is going to be able to protect his son now in California from the machinations of this ex-wife who – I can't say the things that I want to say. I just can't. I'm trying to, to move into 2023 with a more positive slant, but every time I actually look at a news story, or especially one of these culture war stories, I get back to this angry spot. I mean, I see hope for the Republican Party as some conservatives are actually exercising some power. I see hope every day when I talk to people that are over being lied to over being manipulated. But I still see the same business as usual. Let the left have their way. Go along to get along mentality with the majority of folks that are in a position to do something about it. And when you see the state of Texas drop the ball. When you see the state of Texas not do more to protect children that they see are in clear and present danger of manipulation. It wasn't that long ago, guys. It wasn't that long ago that everyone would agree that a 9 or a 10-year-old was way too young to allow anything like this to happen. It would not have been a point of contention. Everyone would have agreed. It wasn't that long ago that... We could have agreed on the fact that nobody should undergo any type of surgeries or hormonal treatments until they were at least 18 and could decide for themselves legally. And part of the reason we could agree on that is because 
we instinctively know, despite efforts from the left to lie to us on the matter, we knew that when you start messing with people's bodies in this fashion, when you start surgical mutilations, when you start chemical castrations, you are making irreversible lifelong changes to these people's bodies. It is not anything short of child abuse to allow this to happen. And it is nothing short of mental illness for somebody to support this type of behavior who happens to be an adult. If you don't know better than this, then you need some psychiatric assistance of your own. And some of these people clearly do. Some of these people, however, are just criminally negligent, like like Jeff Younger's ex-wife, who is a matter of professional points, professional points, wants to be able to make this statement to her clients that, yes, I too am the mother of a transgender child, so I know exactly what you're going through. That's all this is coming from. This has been the case for a while. This was first brought to our attention back in 2019, but he's been fighting for his son since his son was three. Since his son was three. <sighs> Today's coming, guys. It, it is coming soon. We're going to have to come up with answers. We're going to have to be willing to look someone dead in the eye and say, well, this is why we didn't do more. This is why we didn't stop it. And if you think, if you honestly believe in your heart of hearts that, well, I didn't know enough about it at the time, or uh, I thought somebody else would step up and take care of it, it's going to be a sufficient answer, you are sadly mistaken. The theme so far of today's uh, broadcast is, I'm with the government and I'm here to help. That's not a thing that you should ever expect to be true. The government is filled with people that are, say it with me, politicians. And politicians have this really bad habit of, you know, playing politics. And sadly, sadly they look at, you know, polling data or occasionally listening to consultants who are just wrong. If you go to the state of California and you run a poll asking about protection of transgender children, you're going to get a ridiculously skewed response. And the reason you're going to get a ridiculously skewed response, first of all, is because the polling questions are going to be asked in such a way that you sound like an absolute monster not to answer the way they want you to answer. But number two, you're also dealing with a large population of people because they're only going to ask this in the population centers. They're not going to go to out in the farms and ranch land in California where there's more conservatives actually at and people who understand that you know there was a creator and the creator had a plan. What you're going to do is you're going to have these population-centered people that have been dumbed down by the public education system, have been told that even engaging in critical thinking is nearly a criminal offense. How dare you actually try to think your way through a problem? Do not give yourself two seconds to think about it. Just listen to what we tell you, as long as we are a democratic officeholder. Listen to what we tell you and do as we say. 
Anything else is criminal. You continue to trans the kids and you continue to destroy the only civilization in history that's allowed you to be in a position that, you know, lets you be as dumb as you are and still survive. We got to step up, boys and girls. We have to step up. We have to do it for our kids. We have to do it for our neighbors' kids. And we have to do it for our future. You want to save the Republic? If you're one of the folks that's listening to this show, I'm assuming you want to save the Republic. You want to save the Republic? We've got to have a generation to pass the Republic on to. Chemically castrated kids, they're not going to grow up to be parents. Oh, well, they can adopt him. Who are they going to adopt from? All the other chemically castrated children? At some point, the ability to continue to have kids is just not going to be there. Now, sure, they could adopt uh, some poor orphan child from China. The Chinese aren't stopping. In fact, they've removed their one-child policy. You think there might be a reason for that? We're constantly being told by the Democrats we need to have open borders because we're not having enough children as it is. But hey, while we're at it, let's keep chemically castrating our children. Let's keep removing healthy breasts from young girls before they can develop because, you know, they, they're they not really girls. They're boys. It's, it's a confusing time. I miss the days when... You could pretty much just check the plumbing and you'd have an idea. <laughs> but even when you surgically mutilate yourself, you cannot change your chromosomes. Your DNA remains the same. And I'm getting the sign that I need to wrap it up. <laughs> so, less transition, we're... I, this is the only transition that I'm actually in favor of. Let's transition the show into, over to hour number two. Uh, don't go anywhere. Gonna have my friend Ken Crow joining us here in just a few. Uh, Doug, take us into hour two. Tap into the truth. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Friday night here on Tapping to the Truth. First broadcast of the new year for the show after an extended holiday break. And glad to have you here. Uh, you know, I, I kept waiting for something worth talking about to happen. And I thought I was going to have to wait a long time. But guess what? Uh, nah, that's all BS. <laughs> Man, there was so much stuff that happened during the break that I thought about 
doing at least like a 15 minute mini thing for the podcast so many times but uh here we are ladies and gentlemen uh we've got all kinds of stuff happening including high drama at capitol hill and uh, i couldn't think of anybody better to discuss that with than my friend ken crow who's decided to join us here and this was before i saw a great piece that he uh, posted over at conservative daily briefing uh, today uh ken first and foremost uh welcome back to the show as always love having you on and uh happy new year my friend how are you today Jim, we are outstanding, and I just want to let you know that in honor of you and where you're located, I am wearing my official Tennessee Vol pajama shirt tonight, just for you. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, <laughs> strangely honored by that. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, it is... Uh, I know, too much information, right? <laughs> It's, it's hard not to be excited about them volunteers if you're a fan of college football, though. I tell you what, I before we get into anything else, that Orange Bowl victory over Clemson, the way that played out, uh, I already felt oh, pretty good about word. next year. But I feel even better about next year now, given how many of our guys sat out because they were going pro and still showed up and played that well. I, I mean... I don't think Clemson showed up not wanting to play, which is something that happens sometimes in a non-playoff bowl now. Uh, but uh, I think it's pretty uh, pretty good future we got going on down here for football purposes anyway. Well, as we say out in West Texas where I was born and raised, that was a good old-fashioned ass whipping. <laughs> <laughs> that was... <laughs> That was what was it, forty-one to seven or something like that? I don't even remember now, but it was uh, ugly. It was, uh, it was ugly for Clemson. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't quite that bad. Thirty-one fourteen, I think, was the final, something along those lines. But still, okay. Uh, the uh, the play on the field, though, it was way further apart than what the scoreboard suggested. There at the end, uh, there was a little bit of. Uh, backups through the backups uh, that let Clemson uh, get uh, a little something going. But, man, uh, Tennessee did what they had done most of the season on defense. Uh, they uh, let them move a lot between the 20s. But once you got in the red zone, things were done. There were several times where they did just stop them uh, flat out. They looked good. It was it was a pretty good game. Uh, I, I felt very proud. Yes. Uh, you got two different big orange type schools going to the orange bowl. And we found out which orange was best. Now we just, uh, sit back and see what happens when, uh, the bulldogs of Georgia take on, uh, those, uh, horn frogs from TCU. Well, my brother lives down there. He's been calling them the killer frogs. <laughs> what yeah. Labeling them as, uh, Tell you what, I watched them the other day. I watched them a couple of times this season, and they are good. I got to give them that, but I don't know you can beat Georgia. I mean, Georgia's at a different level. They're not even playing college football. They're they're playing, you know. In fact, I would put Georgia up against the Dallas Cowboys (laughs) and probably bet on Georgia, (laughs) to be honest with you. Anyway, so what are your thoughts on the big soap opera going up up on the big hill? 
Well, you know, I, I'm kind of digging it, uh, Ken, and uh, I was really happy when I read your piece this morning because it uh, seems like we're pretty much in agreement in this. This is how you wield power, and this is something that uh, Republicans need to relearn. Uh, I, I don't doubt that at some point in the very near future, probably before the end of the weekend, uh, Kevin will be the Speaker of the House. I, I don't doubt that for a moment. But I do think we're going to have so much of actual conservative concerns, at the very least being addressed, that progress will have been made. And I think it's good for conservatism. Uh, and I also think that it's uh, interesting to see who's in panic mode because of it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things I learned. I'll bring you up to speed if you haven't seen the news in the last hour or two. They're reconvening tonight at 10 o'clock yeah. uh, East Coast time, and they're going to have another vote, and McCarthy has announced that he's got the votes this time, that he will win tonight. Uh, and another interesting tidbit I heard today, you know, it's been, we, we've heard over the last three or four days now, you know, well, they've negotiated this, they've negotiated but nobody seems to have any specifics about what was negotiated other than the thing with uh, five people, five reps or one rep or whatever being able to call for a vote to get rid of the speaker. Apparently, McCarthy has given up a tremendous amount of power that the Speaker of the House wields, which... Some of that I'm in agreement with, and some of it I'm not. But one of the things that he apparently conceded to that I found to be very interesting, the 20 reps that were holed out, and then you have the 50 that belong to the Freedom Caucus. In every committee, there's got to be at least two members that belong to the Freedom Caucus that sit on that committee. And I found that to be a real interesting acquiesce that he did. Uh, he said, well, okay, you know, there, there's 25% uh, of our representatives up here, or nearly 25% belong to the Freedom Caucus, so I'll give in. And he did. He rolled over and, and uh, put in writing that he's willing to do that. The other thing that he did was I've forgotten which – congressman it was that's written they they nominated him once or twice he or talked about him uh he actually wrote a balance oh that hearn uh kevin hearn from oklahoma actually wrote a balanced budget and uh without tax increases and he's agreed to adopt that and send that up put that up for a vote and then send it up to the senate i guess but he, he's made some major concessions that are actually good for America. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, the one item that I found troubling was what I learned yesterday, that he's actually a high-ranking member of the World Economic Forum. Yeah. And that caused me some distress. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I believe you are. Uh, yeah. But the World Economic Forum and him just being a member of that 
is bothersome to me. Yeah, anytime you have a person who's, again, as you pointed out, he is from California, so what passes as conservative in California is not what most of the rest of the country might think. But anybody who claims to be conservative who's associated with a group that's telling you uh, that you will own nothing and you'll like it, that feels very un-American to me. And that's something that even American Democrats should have some issue with. But uh, that that is troubling. But the thing that I like about these concessions is it takes us closer to how the House is supposed to be run in the first place, the vision that the founders and framers had. And I, there, I do have one issue, though, with the uh, concession in regards to one member is enough to, to issue a vote of no confidence kind of scenario. Uh, I, I don't care much for that because I think that puts us closer to a parliamentary system than what we're supposed to have. There's a reason we have scheduled uh, elections, and, and I don't like anything that moves us in that direction. But I do like the fact – that you are going to be held accountable. We talked about when we first started getting numbers and we knew it was going to be a slim majority that Kevin McCarthy would have to play nice with the Freedom Comp, uh, that, that all these folks were going to be more important than ever if he wanted to accomplish anything. And for us to see such a strong movement in just getting him elected, uh, I think that's a pretty good statement as far as what's going to be required. Uh, I would like to think that we'll be able to actually move some positive stuff forward. But, uh, you know, the cynical part of me, Ken, uh, still sits back and says, you know, what does he have to lose to put in writing that he'll run it up when he's reasonably certain that there's no way it gets through the Senate? And even if it did somehow magically get past the Senate, that there's no way that Joe Biden's uh, pudding nurse is going to be able to get him to, to put a signature on it. Uh, how much are we really seeing accomplished in this, uh, these concessions, do you think? Very little, to be honest with you. It, 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 all this is a dog and pony show. Uh, that's my opinion. I'm just giving you my opinion. It's uh, Kevin McCarthy knows that he's got the 50 members of the Freedom Caucus to contend with. But then again, if the Freedom Caucus doesn't behave, they're not going to get any legislation brought to the floor. Uh, that was one of the concessions that the Freedom Caucus wanted was that any, and this is something that I happen to disagree vehemently with, any congressman that writes a piece of legislation can bring it to the floor and it'll be voted on. The American people have not a clue how many or most don't. How many bills come to that floor every day? And if you've got, and these are bills that have been screened, these are bills that have been approved to come to the floor. Imagine what it's going to be like when you have 435 people writing legislation to be voted on every day. That That's going to be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, can you imagine... You know, I want to write a bill that, that bans goldfish in public ponds. 
you know, and, and we're going to have a vote on that. These, these guys will never get back to their office. They'll have to have lunch brought to them and with restroom breaks because they're never going to get to leave the chamber. Right. Yeah, I, I, I it's insanity. You know, the, I, I just want to say this. Today I learned of a phone call made to Congressman Wahlberg's office from one of his constituents. And the guy actually managed to get through and talk to his chief of staff, which is sitting right next to the congressman, right? Right. And the question was, you, our constituency in your district, congressman, does not want you to vote for Wahlberg or vote for uh, McCarthy. And the chief of staff's response was, that doesn't matter. The congressman likes Walber or uh, McCarthy, and he's going to vote for him. And I got to thinking about that a little bit, and in some ways that's infuriating. But in other ways, that's what we have, and we've got that for good reason. These guys are supposed to be leaders, and. They know things that we don't know, and they're told things daily with briefings that we don't know and we're not privy to, and we trust that they make good decisions on our behalf. And there's a good reason Wahlberg's voting for McCarthy, because he knows nobody else can win, number one, and he doesn't want to alienate McCarthy where he can never submit anything and get it taken to the floor. So it's, uh, I understand his reasoning for sticking with McCarthy, but uh, uh, I, I found that to be interesting, Tim, that that he would say that. Yeah. Well, I, I do think that you're right in so much as uh, it is infuriating for somebody to just tell you point blank, it doesn't matter. Uh but in truth, it really kind of doesn't. What matters is you need to know who you're electing in the first place. And then if you're not happy with uh, how they represent you, even if it's something as simple as this, then you address that by voting for somebody else the next time. It's a pretty simple solution. And it's one that works fairly well. Uh, it, it still it is kind of... Weird, though, to see some of the reactions that we've seen, though. I know we have the left that has just absolutely acted like this is the Republican Party falling apart when they themselves had so many issues just a few short months ago when, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when only one Democrat might say no to Joe Biden and they were all whiny over in the Senate. Uh, when in truth, this is actually the way the House is supposed to operate. We're supposed to see this, but the fact that the left are using this to obfuscate where their failings are at right now, this still comes down in my mind. <coughs> excuse me. In my okay. mind, this is still a victory Oy. for conservatism, but it's also kind of a victory for a lot of these Democrats and for Joe Biden because – this gives them at least a little bit more time 
where they can point over at the shiny new thing that's happening instead of having to answer for their own failings and shortcomings. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that, and I was going to follow up what you were saying, with, and you're 100% correct but with this. None of this matters. In reality, none of this matters. The you know they stood on the floor the last couple of days. The borders are porous, and we need somebody that's gonna. It doesn't matter. You can write all the legislation and pass the legislation you want. The Senate is not gonna approve it, and it's never gonna see the president's desk. And if the Senate did, by some remote strange occurrence did approve something that the house sent to him the president's probably still not going to sign it uh so all of this doesn't matter but what it does do the next two years does do is show america if mccarthy can bring this party together and get them on the same page our guys will be able to go out and campaign and say, we did pass this. The president vetoed it. We did pass that. The president vetoed it. We are working for you. And they can once again show America that, hey, Republicans can govern. We just have to be given the chance. And if that happens, and if the House does do a good job, the one thing that I am worried about this House is how many of these rabbit trails are they going to go down over uh, the Biden crime family? That one, I hope they do go down. But all of these other rabbit trails, I don't want them to get consumed over the next two years with punishing Democrats because the Democrats will turn around and use that against us in 24 and say, look, they they didn't do anything. They spent two years trying to prosecute us for something. And that will (laughs) look bad. And that will be bad, actually. So I am a little concerned about that. The really sad part of that is, Ken, that if we were Democrats, it actually would work good because – I seem to recall nearly four years of that, well, actually almost six years of that, uh, being directed at Donald Trump, and and it still seems to play really well on the Democratic uh, side. But you're right, as far as uh, we're concerned, it doesn't work that well on our side. Uh, they expect us to get stuff done, and they expect us to put things to the side. Uh, the other thing, I, though, that is really important especially given some of these concessions, if they actually wield the power that they have and do so with the American people in mind, it also puts those uh, the purse strings front and center. We can really go a long way towards, yeah, sure, we can't get a lot of legislation passed, but we can halt a lot of the negative things that the Biden administration is going to continue to try to do uh, and maybe slow down this runaway excuse of a government that's continuing to make inflation worse in a lot of ways will actually end up helping uh, the Biden administration by saving it from itself. But I'm willing to take that in exchange for what it will do for the American people and uh, stopping inflation and uh, maybe getting some sensible energy policy in place if we can move forward there. The House does have that power even without the rest of the government. They can stop uh, allowing cash flow. Well, the one thing that I did hear, 
Now, I don't know the validity of it. I haven't heard anything about it since, but I heard it once or twice that they want to uh, defund the 87,000 IRS agents. Yeah, they're they're going to cut the purse strings for that. So if that happens, that would be fantastic. We don't need any more of those guys. <laughs> we got plenty as it is now. Uh, and they're cutting $75 billion out of the uh, defense appropriations. That's apparently on the table, too, that McCarthy agreed to. Now, why our guys want to cut $75 billion, I don't know, but they did, apparently. Yeah, I I could <clears throat> I could see it as far as defense appropriations if they think that that's only being misappropriated anyway. And given where the current military is at, leadership in the Pentagon, the people that are answering directly to the Biden administration, there's a lot of the same people that answered to the Obama administration. These people seem to be more concerned about social engineering than actually defending the country. So I, I hate to say let's cut defense spending, but as far as military appropriations, if it's not really being appropriated for defense, maybe that's not such a bad thing either. Well, is it not possible that, because I do know that they did use some of the military budget to help fund Ukraine. Yeah. Is that not where this might be coming from. There's a good chance. They might be saying no more money to Ukraine, only they're going to call it, we're cutting the defense appropriations package. Yeah. Well, I, again, uh, I, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. Possibility. Yeah. Okay. Is there, uh, <clears throat> is there anything with this, though, that is really as bad as it's being made out uh, by those that are supposed to be on the conservative side that are talking about how embarrassing this is. Is it really that embarrassing, or is this really just a case of it's been so long since anybody's challenged the status quo that they don't understand that this is actually a positive? I think, I actually think the Amer everything I'm hearing, Tim, is, you know, in my circle is, hey, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're enjoying it, even though our guys knew going in they weren't going to win. I mean, you can put up Trump, you put up whoever you want to, and it didn't matter because he had a core of around 200 that were not going to leave him. So we were never going to win. Um, but they got a lot done, and they showed that they can fight. And this is the way the House is supposed to be. You know, the Senate is a different ball game. My esteemed colleague from North Carolina is, you know, and there's all this, you know, pomp and circumstance and the way they address each other and all this. That's not the way the House is supposed to be. The House is supposed to be where the idiot from North Carolina just said, um, <laughs> And, and they're supposed to have knockdown drag outs. Uh, I mean, you go back, a classic example of that, one of the best examples I've ever seen of that was in the movie Lincoln. 
with Sally Field and what's his face that played Lincoln. And they showed all of those knockdown drag out fights on the floor of the house. And that's the way the house is supposed to be. That they're they're supposed and that's where the sausage is made. And it's not pretty but it gets done and it usually tastes good in the end if your side happens to be in power. And um that's the way it's supposed that's the way the founders intended it to be. When when you watch the old movie uh, uh Adams, John Adams, and they showed the, the first Congresses and how they would would squabble on the floor. I don't know if you knew this or not, but that was not acting. It was, but it wasn't. They actually took the Tom Hanks produced that production, and if you've never seen it, you need to watch it. It's an incredible miniseries on the life of John Adams and how the revolution started and everything. But um, they actually took transcripts from the original meetings and then made the scripts out of it for the actors to act it through. So everything that was said on the floor of the House of Representatives in that movie was actually said in real life. And it's fascinating. Man, if you like I say, if you never watched it, you need to uh, go to Walmart and buy the buy the DVDs. It, it's phenomenal. I think it's four DVDs and it's like fifty bucks or something. But anyway, um, great movie. But that's the way the house is supposed to be, and that's what we've been watching for the last four days. And it's very, very refreshing. <laughs> I loved every minute of it, to be honest with you. It was great. Um, in fact, the uh, house, um, the lady up front with the gavel, what do they call her? The, anyway, she actually chastised uh, Gates today, Matt Gates, because he insulted one of the other congressmen. <laughs> and she said, you can't say that here. She got on him, and he said, I'm sorry, ma'am. He kept going. It was great. I loved it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it is really refreshing, as you put it, to actually see the government working the way it's supposed to, uh, the way the founders had intended. There's a reason why the Senate is supposed to operate differently, because that's supposed to be the group that's representing the states. It's not operated that way anymore over there either, and I think that's a big loss in our common, current, federalist, constitutionally uh, federated republic. We, we don't get that true feel because we're not operating like we should. There should be that knockdown, drag down. It should be uh, vigorous. I mean, we're talking about uh, Congress used to have duels take place on the floor, and, and these folks would be exempt from uh, having to worry about other uh, – you're not going to be charged with murder if you uh, win the duel. <laughs> it, it was crazy. Oh, <laughs> it, it's, it's funny to think about it, but, you know, I – need to go quite that far again but it's good to have those vigorous debates ken it is time for us to take that mid-hour break so if you will stay with us uh we'll pick up the conversation on the other side because i have another topic i want to talk with you about uh guys don't go anywhere we'll be back right after this break (laughs) 
Hello, America. This is Ken Crow with Conservative Daily Briefing, and you are listening to Tim Tap Tap into the Truth. During the Cuban Missile Crisis and Americans' fear of war, President John F. Kennedy shared an inspirational 1961 inaugural address. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards on today's page from the Edwards Notebook. Kennedy stated, and I quote, The torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans born in this century tempered by war, disciplined by hard and bitter peace, proud of our ancient heritage, and unwilling to witness or permit the slow undoing of those human rights to which this nation has always been committed. In the long history of the world, only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can only light the world. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. With a good conscience, our only sure reward with history, the final judge of our deeds, let us go forth to lead the land we love, asking his blessing and his help, but knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own, unquote. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the RonEdwards.com. Brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. Under just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. You did it! Congratulations! World's best cup of coffee. Constitutional Grounds. The hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Amy. This is Az. Me too. Sharing the night. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and we are sharing Friday night together. We are live here on the Vera Network. We are on 
<clears throat> Excuse me, we're obviously on the spot where my voice is not wanting to work anymore. <laughs> we're on WCET FM. We are also hanging out with the fine folks on the last frequency. And uh, if you're listening to any one of those locations, thank you for being here live. And you're always welcome to go over to MeWe.com, one of those great social media sites that, you know, if you're tired of the Facebooks and the Twitters, you can go uh, sign up for. And you can join the Last Frequency group and hang out in the chat room there and be part of the show, interact with us. I want to give a shout out to Arizona Antihero for uh, being a big part of uh, the usual visitations and uh, you know <clears throat> as we go into 2023 still early in the new year we're going to try to build up be stronger and move stronger together also want to invite everybody to uh, come join the tap into the truth community over at locals.com and uh, you know be part of the group over there uh, just come join sign up see what all we're sharing uh, there's lots of things that I share on social media on the regular uh, usually news stories and the like. Sometimes it's my own writings. Uh, other times it's just important stories. There are certain things that I will share at the locals uh, site that I'm not going to put up on any of the other social media sites. So there is a uniqueness there. There's more value. Come be part of it. Come check it out. <laughs> and one of the things that I shared today, of course, was Ken's really excellent article talking about the drama on Capitol Hill. But while Ken is here, I want to discuss another topic, too. It seems that, um, well, it's not a surprise if we talk about incoherence from the current occupier of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is less than all there, but uh, that's been very well demonstrated by what is being positioned as a new Border policy? Ken, again, did you hear Biden's speech uh, just the other day? And if you did, were you able to make any more sense out of it than me? Because all I heard was a lot of inconsistency and a lot of doublespeak. Uh, I did catch a couple of clips of it, and it seemed like it was total word salad to me. <laughs> <laughs> He's not making any sense anymore. He's he's gone. He's gone. And this is a mere shell. And the truly frightening part is is the Democrat Party seems everything they're saying. Now, all this could change, but everything they're saying is he's going to run in 24 and they're going to back him again. And I find that almost inconceivable, but yeah. that's the word right now. And if that's the case, I've got a theory of who the Veep's going to be and the reason they're running him again. Um, if you notice, she's got a new book out. She's on every talk show. She's everywhere now. And that's our former first lady slash drag queen, Michelle <laughs> Obama, uh, if, you're, if you're into that. But she's everywhere. It's everywhere. He's every Michael's everywhere. But, yeah, and 
this is going to sound really, really callous, but I put this theory out to a couple of friends of mine the other day. I said, why would they run him again? It's, it's, I mean, doctors, one after another, have lined up and said the guy has either mid-stage Alzheimer's or he has severe dementia. Something's going on. But something's not right. You, you can tell by the way he walks, the way he talks, the way he handles himself. It, it's not right. I mean, the guy's 80 years old or something. I mean, he's an old man. And... um it, to me, it's borderline, you know, senior abuse by making him do this. But, you know, like you said, he should be at home eating pudding. Um, but long story short, they know he's not going to make it a lot longer. We want Michelle to be president. Let's run her as vice president. And I'm going to tell you something. If Biden runs with Michelle Obama, he will win. I promise you he'll win because like it, love it, lump it, whatever, times were pretty decent under the Obama administration. We didn't care for some of his social policies, but overall, times were pretty decent. You know, America was pretty comfortable. We weren't bogged down in big wars, you know, uh, other than Afghanistan, um, and America is tired of the drama from the Trump years. They're tired of the fear and the uncertainty of this presidency now. And I, I can see him winning. I don't see us having anybody that can beat him, to be honest with you, if she's on the ticket. Now, Kamala runs again. Yeah, we'll win in a landslide. But if Michelle Obama's on there, people are going to know that Barack's going to be behind the scenes and he'll be running things. And they like that. They liked it twice. Well, you know, it's certainly an interesting <laughs> theory. And I, uh, I wouldn't be surprised by it. Uh, that's, that's the sad part. I, I wish I could say, oh, no, Ken, that would never happen. But I, I just can't. <laughs> it's very plausible. Look, she, she is loved by America's women. She's loved by the gay community for obvious reasons. She's loved by the, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help it, Tim. <laughs> but uh, she, she, she's loved by the Democrats, which outnumber the Republicans. She's extraordinarily articulate. I mean, she can deliver a fire-breathing speech. She is an attorney. She's highly educated. And her husband was one of the most popular presidents in recent history. Uh, I don't see her losing. Yeah. Well, it would certainly uh, put a wrinkle in that would be difficult. Uh, and... You also can't discount what the Republicans have proven time and time again. They have an inane capability of snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> they, uh, to yep. just sit back and we just run proved on that a couple of months ago. <laughs> yeah, if they could just sit back and run on the issues 
and could get a fair reporting, then Democrats wouldn't stand a chance. But that's just it. There's nothing fair in how it gets reported. And Republicans are notoriously bad, and we've talked about this a great deal on multiple occasions. They're just really, really bad at consistent messaging. Uh, I look at uh, Representative Crenshaw, for example, uh, during this uh, drama that's ongoing uh, about the speaker. We've seen a man who's typically a pretty good guy, <coughs> excuse me, uh, who just out of anger, decides to lash out at fellow Republicans instead of making the, uh, the cogent case. We are really bad at messaging even some of the best folks in there. Uh, Republicans rely too much on people like us to try and message for them. Uh, we've got to be the ones to explain what they're trying to say. So, yeah, that would be a kind of wrinkle that would make it hard to win no matter who we put up. I, I, like I said, Ken, I wish I could just dismiss that and say, oh, well, there's Ken going to uh, – Going to Nutsville again, but no, I I certainly could see it as a possibility, and it would be difficult to, to, to undo. But what, uh, what really I kind of wanted to focus on here still goes back to what's being offered up as this new border policy. Uh, did you – I mean the word salad was definitely there, but did you get a chance to, to read through what the – the handlers put forward is what this is supposed to be. Uh, I mean, we're talking about there's a group of four countries where now we're going to let in a lot more people legally. And then he started talking about uh, we're going to still allow you to illegally immigrate, but we want you to set up an appointment for it. And, oh, if you're still from one of those four countries where three of them are legitimately places that we should actually consider offering asylum from – Cuba and Venezuela, for examples, and, and yet if if you don't meet this criteria, we're going to send a lot of you back when you get here regardless, and then there's absolutely no mention of, well, what if you're from Guatemala? What if you're from Mexico? Uh, oh, well, none of that applies. What if you're here from uh, one of the uh, Central African or Middle Eastern countries? Oh, well, no, that doesn't apply to this either. There's literally no consistency whatsoever. It, it's some weird effort to try and split the baby, and he doesn't even seem to find the baby at all because he's trying to keep the Republicans from being able to criticize him for having no criteria at all and still trying to keep the Democrats from criticizing the fact that he's not going far enough to let people in. Uh, is there anything that makes sense at all in this policy, Kent? Well, I have to be very frank with you. I did not hear the whole speech, and I haven't been keeping up with any of it over the last three days for obvious reasons. I've been tuned into C-SPAN and, and watching the house, but uh, everything you just said makes absolutely no sense. Uh, why? Why would you let people in from... I mean, Guatemala has just as much, you know, Nicaragua has just as many problems as Venezuela does. Why would you let people in from Venezuela but not Guatemala and Nicaragua? That, that makes no sense at all. Uh, it, no, it doesn't make sense, Tim. It, it doesn't compute. Uh, 
I understand he was supposed to have gone to the border today. I don't know if he did or not. I hadn't been keeping up with him, to be honest with you, for the last four or five days. But um, no, none, none of that makes any sense. Well, you see, <clears throat> to me, the, the whole thing kind of it, it's kind of a tip of the hat that they do recognize <laughs> that the border is an issue. That there are Democrats in border states that are getting fed up with it too. You, you now have even Colorado talking about sending some of these illegal migrants to New York, uh, and the consistency there is is they have to acknowledge there's a problem, but yet they still don't want to admit the full extent of the problem. They want to take half measures and, and do things that aren't really going to slow down the illegal migration but at the same time they want to act like they're trying to take steps you'll hear them throw out terms like humane consistent over uh, overarching changes we we need uh, full reform and yet the only thing they want to do is continue the status quo we have seen for some time not just democrats unfortunately but mostly democrats they need issues to run on, and if they ever solve any of these issues, they ever actually do their jobs for the American people, then suddenly they have a harder time finding new things to run on, so it gets harder to be reelected. It continues to be a trap, and these people just aren't serving the American people, and they're not exactly doing favors for these folks that are having to leave their homes in order to try to find a better life. Well, it is, and I've, I've for a long time, you know, while I'm angry that we let all these, I'm angry that we let people in without vetting them because we know for a fact that we, we've now got over 100 uh, people from the Middle East in here that are on terrorist watch list, and they just walked in. And we don't know where they're at. We don't know what they're doing. We know nothing, okay? But we know we've got 100 terrorists in America. That's all we know. Uh, so they're, they're not vetting them. I, I don't mind if an illegal immigrant comes here. I really don't. I don't mind if they swim the river and walk in. But check in, do the background check on them, do everything you're supposed to do, and then show up for your court date, okay? And do things at least semi-legally in the beginning and then fully legally after you're here. And if you don't qualify to be here, then bye, we're sending you home. Uh, I, I get why people would want to risk coming to America from Guatemala. I get that, okay? I've never been to Guatemala. My father went there many times. He used to date the Mexican ambassador to Nicaragua. So he used to go down to its embassy all the time in Tegucigalpa. Um, and I've heard stories about what it's like down there. And it's not good. And so I understand why people would want to come to America for a better life. But in turn, we have to protect our nation. And the Biden administration is not doing that. When he was first inaugurated, he said, Kamala, our new VP, she's going to be the border czar or whatever it was he called her. She's going to be in charge of uh, the border. She hasn't done anything up to and including go to the border, as far as I know. Uh, 
I know for the first two years she didn't go. Now, she might have gone recently, but I'm unaware she did. But yeah, I don't think she she's has. done nothing. She's done nothing, which means she's carrying out this administration's policy, which was we're doing nothing. Because if she were supposed to be doing something, she would have done it because right. she's the vice president and she was told to do it. Yeah. That's the bottom yeah. line. So the administration's policy is leave the borders open, hand them a credit card, hand them a cell phone, say, see you later, show up for your court date. But if you can't make it, that's okay, too. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Oh, you want a plane ticket to New York? Here you go. (laughs) We're sending you to New York. Uh, And that's the way it's been. And, and, I feel for these people. I mean, they, they, they risk being trafficked. They risk death. They risk, and they got their small children with them. And, and I feel for them. I, I, I mean, you, you'd have to be a total zombie not to feel for them, you know, at some level. I mean, just the humanity inside of you, you got to feel sorry for them. You know, they come here with no money. Well, oftentimes, just the clothes on their back, you know, uh, maybe a duffel bag with a few clothes in it, and that's all they got. Yeah. And then they <clears throat> have to walk across a river. Yeah, and, and it really says a lot that even Joe Biden in the White House, that this is still a much better place to be than uh, most of the rest of the world. But it, it is aggravating because... Again, you kind of touched on it when you were talking about the risk being trafficked. What we see is an emboldening and an enabling of the cartels to make huge amounts of money and to ingrain all kinds of criminal activities that harms Americans and harms these other people as well. And yet they try to point fingers at people like us saying that, well, if you even speak up at all about our policies, then you're being uh, cruel and inhumane. When it's really way more humane to encourage policies that would protect them and and to stop the criminality. And and that's really all most of us are asking for. You know, I've I've been, I I know a lot of people that say, well, you know, and, and they really want to come down on these people hard. And they've never seen poverty. I, I You want to see poverty, and I, I know you know what I'm talking about, but if you really want to see poverty, go to the Philippines. Go to some of these countries. You, you can get a good taste of it just going to El Paso and looking across the freeway into Juarez. And you, you can sort of get an idea, but believe me, that's still nice compared to the Philippines. I've seen children living in cardboard boxes, diving into sewage rivers filled with sewage to get pesos when our sailors would throw pesos into the river and think it's funny that these kids would dive into this to go after them. Uh, I mean, that is 
the poverty level in some of these nations is just indescribable. We don't have poverty in America compared to these places. I mean, it is truly tragic. You, you have children going to bed every night hungry. It's inexcusable, but yet it's happening. And it happens every day of the week, every day of the year, year after year after year. They have no medical care. They have no food. They have no, hardly any clothes. They oftentimes live in houses that are put together with a few pieces of plywood. And that's all they have. So, yeah, I, I have a soft spot for for immigrants trying to improve their life. But still, they need to do it legally. And we need to know what's going on. We need to know who they are. We need to know why they're here. Yeah, I don't think I could agree with you anymore if I tried. You're spot on with this one, Ken. And uh, it really still comes down to how do you go about instituting a reasonable and legal policy. If you want to call the policy to make it easier to legally immigrate here, hey, I'll listen to what you want to put down. We can talk about it all day long. But you're right. It has to start with being able to vet, and it also has to start with being honest about what your intentions are. We don't need to be looking to try and replace populations. We don't need to be looking at trying to increase a voter base for one party over the other. And if we're going to talk about actual uh, offering of protection for these people from horrific type of uh, situations in their home countries where the political action has made them and targeted them as being enemies of the state by virtue of just not liking who's taken charge, then yeah, we need to offer a certain level of sanctuary to the people that actually need it. But that's not the policy that we're getting. That's It's what's being passed out as the intention, but it's not the policy we're getting. And we know that there's a group of folks that are high up, that are globalists, that want to see the downfall of our constitutionally federated republic because our constitution stands in the way of their power. And they're about just manipulating, and unfortunately, too many people are manipulated with the soft heartstrings and not understanding that if you really want to help these folks, it's got to start with a strong, enforceable policy so that you can weed out the uh, criminality and that you can actually offer help to the folks that need it and then maybe try to help the folks at their home in a way that makes sense because that's good for America too if we have strong, healthy neighbors with good economies where people don't feel like they have to run away for economics. Ken, we are running out of time, but before we uh, say goodbye, I wanted to give you a chance. Normally I do it when we come back uh, from the break, and I forgot to. I was so excited uh, getting to talk to you for the first time this year. Uh, let everybody know where they can find your work, sir. Uh, com and at KWR, that's Kilo Whiskey Romeo Crow, C-R-O-W, on Twitter, KWR Crow. Uh, I just want to end, uh, I, I want to close with saying this. Uh, for you listeners that have heard something about the World Economic Forum, I would encourage all of you to go to W-E, as in Whiskey Echo, 
forum.org. Read everything on that website, and you will be stunned. And let me tell you, they have infiltrated our political system. They have infiltrated our education system, banking, industry, corporation, and they're about to seize control of this nation for serious, for real. And we must continue to fight them. The World Economic Forum is not our friend. They seek to reestablish a global hierarchy, and they're stripping the rich nations of their wealth. They're doing it to Great Britain. They're doing it to us. They're doing it to Canada, and they're redistributing it, and it's called the Great Reset. Go read about it. It's dangerous, and it's real. It's not tinfoil hat. That's it, Tim. They've even they've they've written it themselves. It's all out there. It's read it in their own words. Oh, Ken's right. Go see for yourself. Ken, again, thank you so much for joining me. As always, it's an honor and a pleasure to get to speak with you, sir. Can't wait till we get to do it again. Godspeed to you and all do you do. Thank you. You too. Thank you, Jim. Bye bye. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for now. Uh, gonna tell Doug to take it away here in just a second, but before I do, remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and, most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. One more quick shout-out to AZ hanging out in the chat room. Thank you for hanging out with us. And as always, God bless y'all, and welcome to the new year, everybody. Doug, you know what to do. in both Take my 
was using both hands. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.